Hello. Hi, everybody. This is the Hey Elliot podcast. Uh, Christmas Carol Spectacular number six, folks. And I've got to say, this is Christmas Eve, the night of Christmas Eve. And I've already begun my Christmas festivities. And I realized I have to, uh, I have to finish telling you a story. Before Christmas, or so you can listen to it on Christmas. You know what? You're required to listen to it on Christmas. Not gonna lie, you're required to. All right. So when we last left it, I gave up at some point with uh, Tiny Tim, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think I finished right here with which they soon returned in high procession. Such a bustle. This might, if it's repeated, repetitive, just fast forward it. Because I did not look and see where I last left it. So, such a bustle ensued that you might have thought a goose, the rarest of all birds, a feathered phenomenon. I don't know. That's not true. That's not true today's standards. To which a black swan was a matter of course. And in truth, it was something very like it in that house. <clears throat> Mrs. Cratchit made the gravy in parentheses, ready beforehand in a little saucepan, in parentheses, hissing hot. Master Peter mashed the potatoes with incredible vigor. Miss Belinda sweetened up the applesauce. Martha dusted, dusted, dusted the hot plates. Bob took Tiny Tim beside him in a tiny corner at the table. The two young Cratchits set chairs for everybody, not forgetting themselves, and mounting guard upon their posts. Crammed spoons into their mouths, 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 lest they should shriek for goose before their turn came to be helped. At last the dishes were set on. The grace was said it was succeeded by a breathless pause as Mrs. Cratchit looked slowly all around the carving knife, prepared to plunge it in the breasts. But when she did, and when the long-expected gush of stuffing issued forth, one murmur of delight arose all around the board, and even Tiny Tim, excited by the two Cratchits, excited by the two young Cratchits, beat on the table with the handle of his knife, and feebly cried, Hurrah! I don't know if that was feeble enough. He, he, he was, okay, he's throwing a fit, and then he feebly cries hurrah, because he's sick. So, I think right there, um, if I was an editor, I would say, um, I would say that old Charlie there, uh, forgot that, uh, Tiny Tim was a little, uh, a little, uh, bit, uh, crippled. There, I said it. And, uh, decided to add that in. Last minute. Okay, focus. Okay. There never was such a goose. Bob said he didn't believe there ever was a goose cooked. Such a goose cooked. Its tenderness and flavor, size and cheapness were the themes of universal admiration eked out by applesauce and mashed potatoes. It was a sufficient dinner for the whole family. Indeed, as Mrs. Cratchit said with great delight, surveying one small atom of a bone upon the dish, they hadn't ate well, that was in parentheses, and then they hadn't ate it all at last. Yet everyone had one small atom of a bone. What the fuck? Okay, oh, yeah, everyone had enough, and the youngest Cratchits in particular were steeped in sage and onion 
to the eyebrows. But now the plate's being changed by Miss Belinda. Miss Cratchit left the room alone, too nervous to bear witness to take the pudding up and bring it in. Ah, oh, Jesus. Come on, Charlie. Let's let's get this story going. We gotta pop it here, okay? I gotta get back to my party. Suppose it should not be done enough. Suppose it should be break should break in turning out. Suppose somebody should have got all should have got over the wall at the backyard and stolen it while they were merry with the goose? What am I reading? A supposition at which the two young Cratchits became livid. All sorts of horrors were supposed. I don't know what's going on. I'm hoping you're paying attention because I did not pay attention, I guess. I don't know what's going on. Hello! A great deal of steam. The pudding... Wait, this is not in parentheses. The pudding was out of copper. <sighs> Smell like a washing day. That was the cloth. A smell like an eating house and a pastry's cooks next door to each other with a laundry... Oh. This is like uh, bad poetry, bad beat poetry right now. This is what he's doing because he knows he has to get a little bit more bread at the end of this story because it's only 60 pages and uh, he needs to fill it up a bit. All right. Okay. Laundress is next door to that. That was the pudding in half a minute. Mrs. Cratchit entered, flushed but smiling proudly, with the pudding like a speckled cannonball, so hard and firm, blazing in half of half a quartern of ignited brandy and bedight with Christmas holly stuck into the top. Oh, a wonderful pudding, Bob Cratchit said. He just He's just stopped using parentheses altogether. Huh. There's just no more parentheses. I mean, not parentheses, but uh, uh, quotation marks. God damn it, quotation marks. All right. He's just rambling right now. Oh, what wonderful pudding, Bob Cratchit said, and calmly, too, that he regarded it as the greatest success achieved by Mrs. Cratchit, Cratchit since their marriage. Miss Cratchit said that now the weight was off her mind, she would confess she had her doubts about the quantity of flour. Everybody had something to say about it, but nobody said or thought it was at all a small pudding for a large family. It would have been flat heresy to do so. Any Cratchit would have blushed to hint at such a thing. Oh, okay. At last, the dinner was all done. The cloth was cleared, the hearth swept, and the fire made up. The compound in the jug being tasted and considered perfect. Apples and oranges were put upon the table. And a, oh, sorry about that. And a shovel full of chestnuts on the fire. Then all the Cratchit family drew around the hearth in what Bob Cratchit called a circle meaning half a one, and at Bob Cratchit's elbow stood the family display of glass, two tumblers, and a custard cup without a handle. You got all that? Is that in your mind right now? Good. Picture it. Keep it pictured because it's going to be important, right? Has to be. These held the hot stuff from the jug. However, as well as golden goblets would have done, and Bob served it. Nobody on. All right, I'm back. These uh, held the hot stuff from the drink. Okay, we got that. Golden goblets would have done, and Bob served it out with beaming looks. While the chestnuts on the fire sputtered and cracked noisily, then Bob proposed. Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. 
which all the family re-echoed. God bless us, everyone, said Tiny Tim, last of all. Now, I could stop there, because he said the line, right? He said the line that we all know. I should just stop it there, right? But no, I'm sure my loyal listeners want to know, what's the deal? Is, uh, is Scrooge going to learn his lesson? Well, let's find out. Oh, man, okay. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. Bob held his withered little hand in his, as if he loved the child and wished to keep him by his side and dreaded that he might be taken from him. Spirit, said Scrooge, with an interest he had never felt before, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost. In the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved, if these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child would die. No, no, said Scrooge. Oh, no, a kind spirit. Say he will be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my race. What? Returned the ghost. We'll find him here. So why stop that? Why not maybe put some dots to make it... I don't know. Why put that there, though? I guess he's supposed to add tension to the sentence. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. Calm down. I'm going to restart that sentence because I think he's going to he's gonna hit him with the popping thing at the end here. If these shadows remained unaltered by the future, none other of my race, returned the ghost, will find him here. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Clap back. Folks. We got this. Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words quoted by the spirit and was overcome with penance, penitence and grief. Man, <laughs> sorry, man, said the ghost, if man you be in a heart not adamant, forbear that wicked can't until you've discovered what the first surplus the surplus is and where it is will have you decide what men shall live what men shall die it may be i know i'm i'm turning into dr evil right now it may be in the light in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and fit to live than millions like us like this oh my god okay too much rum this poor man's child oh god to hear the insect on the leaf pronouncing on the too much life among his hungry brothers in the dust scrooge bent before the ghost's rebuke and trembling cast his eyes upon the ground but he raised them speedily on hearing his own name mr scrooge said bob i'll give you mr scrooge the founder of the feast the founder of the feast, indeed, Mrs. Cratchit, cried Mrs. Cratchit, reddening. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My dear, said Bob, the children, Christmas Day. Puh, as Elliot drank water. Mm. That is water. By the way, that is water, I promise you. 
Okay, I'll drink to his health for your sake in the days, said Mrs. Cratchit, not for his. Long life to him, a merry Christmas and a happy new year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. The children drank the toast after her. It was the first of their proceedings which had no heartiness. Tiny Tim drank it last of all, but he didn't care two pence for it. Scrooge was the ogre of the family. The mention of his name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for full five minutes. Wow, awkward. So I'm going to read for five minutes because apparently nothing is going on right now because it's a long paragraph. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. After it had passed away, they were ten times merrier than before from the mere relief of Scrooge. The baleful being done with, with, Bob Cratchit told them how he had a situation in his eye for Master Peter which would bring in, if obtained, full five and sixpence weekly. The two young Cratchits laughed tremendously at the idea of Peter's being a man of business, and Peter himself looked thoughtfully at the fire from between his collars, as if he were deliberating what particular investments he should favor when he came into the receipt of that bewildering income. Martha, who was a poor apprentice at a milliner's, then told them what kind of work she had to do. We're going to go through a whole family's uh, meal, apparently. Uh, Why am I doing this to you people? Who was a poor apprentice at a milliner's, then told them what kind of work she had to do, and how many hours she had worked at a stretch, and how she meant to lie abed tomorrow morning. Hold on, i got to pause here. Okay, I really did have to stop and recollect myself because Dickens has me on the ropes here. Because I can't do this. I can't do this for 30 more pages. Even if it is only just, no, 20 more pages. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm not going to do it to myself. It's Christmas Eve. I still have yet to get visited by my three spirits, and I know they're going to have things to say, and I got stuff to do, okay? I don't know what they're going to have me change. Probably my temper, probably my attitude, probably my lack of moving forward, but I know they're coming because they come every year. So let's just do this now, okay? All right. Okay, calm down. Okay, so this broad... Okay, so uh, Martha talking about her day, uh, bloody, bloody, blah. All this time, the chestnuts and jug went around. Tiny Tim had a plaintive little voice, and he sang too, and they all sang. Okay, there goes that paragraph. Boom. There was nothing of high marks in this. Of course not. I don't know why I even bothered mentioning it. Why didn't you bother mentioning it? Because you didn't. Uh, they were not a handsome family, so why are you making me picture them? They were not a handsome family. Let's keep going here, folks. I got to get going. All right. Contented with the time, they faded, looked happier, yada, yada, yada. Spirits torch a parting. Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim, until the last, because he felt really bad, folks. He felt really bad. He could have given Mr. Cratchit some money, but no, he's tight. And, folks, people who are tight are usually rich, okay? Warren Buffett gets uh, he gets um, a hamburger, just one single hamburger from McDonald's every morning. He does. Look it up. I think it's based on the stocks, whether he gets a sausage or a McGriddle or something like that. Okay. By this time, it was getting dark and um, snowing pretty heavily. And the Scrooge of Spirit went along the streets. Blah, de, blah, de, blah. It was snowing in this place. Okay. 
All right, here again, where shadows on the window, blind of gas assembling, group of handsome girls, handsome girls, all hooded and fur-booted, and chattering at once, trips lightly off to some near neighbor's house, where woe upon the single man who saw them enter, artful witches, well they knew, in a glow. Like I said, the male gaze continues in this book. The male gaze. But if you had judged from the numbers of people on their way to friendly gatherings, you might have thought that no one was at home to give them welcome. Well, let's see. How the ghost exulted at something, I don't know. But you're not going to miss anything. It's Christmas Eve. Let's get going. Little uh, lamplighter, and now, without a word of warning from the ghost, they stood upon a bleak and desert moor. Look at we're getting somewhere. I knew if I just barreled through every paragraph we get somewhere. A desert moor, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do this this year. I mean it. I mean it. Where monstrous masses of rude stone were cast about. It was a burial place of giants, apparently. Water spread itself wherever it listed. Desolation. Yes, it's a desert. We got it. Come on, Charles. What place is this? Asked Scrooge. A place where miners live who labor in the bowels of the earth, returned the spirit. But they know me, see? A light shone from the window of a hut, and the old man in a voice that's I'm just going to skip that. Uh, the old man in a voice that seldom rose above the howling of the wind upon the barren waste was singing from a Christmas song. It had been a very old song when he was a boy. Yep, yeah, he was singing. The spirit did not tarry here, but bade Scrooge hold his robe. You know... I have a guy at work. He jokes about holding the pocket because it's a jail thing, a prison thing. <laughs> so, like, you hold the pocket, and, like, you know, you're their property, you're tagging along, and it's some sort of way to claim ownership over someone in prison is if you have the molded pocket, I think. I think, I think that's right. But every time the ghost of Christmas present has Scrooge hold his robe, that's where my mind goes, okay? So let's skip the whole holding of the pocket thing. Okay, let's see. Where are we going here? Born of the wind, one might suppose. Yeah, see, there to see. But even here, two men who watched the light had made a fire, though the loophole in the thick stone wall shed away a brightness, the awful sea. All right, something about Christmas in their can of grog. Elder two. Oh, are we at some weird place? Like, I thought this was all in the modern world, but apparently this is some sort of present uh, Christmas carol in another uh, universe. All right. Again, the ghost bet on. Because why stop there, right? I don't know what it had to show him, but I'm glad I didn't read it. Okay, so they're at the desert, and after they're at the sea, it's all gloomy and whatever. All right. Let's see. Every man on board waking our sleeping, so we're at some sort of ship now. We're at a ship, and there's officers waking or sleeping, good or bad, something, something, something. That day, on any day of the year, they had shared some extent of these festivities. Yep, they're enjoying Christmas. It was a great surprise to Scrooge. While listening to the moaning of the wind and thinking of a, what a solemn thing it was to move on through the lonely darkness over an unknown abyss, whose depths were secrets as profound as death, it was a great surprise to Scrooge while thus engaged. Yep, approved. Ha ha! <laughs> I'm just going to skip to his line. Ha ha! laughed Scrooge's nephew. Ha 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 ha! I don't know. 
Scrooge's nephew? Didn't we already see him? No, that was a worker. Okay. Oh, because we had to go from the desolate land to the sea to the nephew. All right. Well, my nephew, I don't know what he's doing. If you should happen by any unlikely chance to know a man more best and laugh and screw his nephew, all I can say is, I should like to know him too. Introduce him to me and I'll cultivate his acquaintance. Give me my paycheck. Woo! All right. Do, 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 do. Oh, you don't even need that. Okay, so he's laughing. Ha 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 ha. He said that Merry Christmas was a humbug as I lived. As I live, cried Scrooge's nephew. He believed it, too. More shame from him, for him, Fred, said Scrooge's niece indignantly. Bless those women. They never do anything by halves. They are always in earnest. She was very pretty, exceedingly pretty, with a dimpled, surprised-looking capital face. I don't Capital, oh, capital joke, old man. I got it. All right, she's pretty. He's a comical fellow fellow, said Scrooge's nephew. Does he have a name? What is his name? That's what it is. It's uh, Fred. So why don't I just go? He's a comical old fellow, Fred said. Maybe because it rhymed. He didn't want to rhyme. He wants to ramble, but he doesn't want to rhyme. All right. Okay. I got you, Charlie. I got you. All right. He's a comical old fellow, said Scrooge's nephew. That's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment. And I have nothing to say against him. I'm sure he is very rich, Fred, hinted Scrooge's niece. At least you always tell me so. And what of that, my dear, said Scrooge's nephew. His wealth is of no use to him. Yep, I'm not even going to finish what... Ha ha ha, something, something, something. No patience with him, observed Scrooge's niece. Oh, niece. Scrooge's niece's sisters. Oh, them too. And all the other ladies expressed the same opinion. Yes, he's tight as hell. Tight-ass, mean-ass old man. Got it. Oh, I have, said Scrooge's nephew. I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? All right, what the consequence? He don't lose much of a dinner. Indeed, I think he loses a very good dinner, interrupted Scrooge's niece. That's right, because remember, it's not how expensive your dinner is, but it's who you share the dinner with. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I must skip that. Fuck that bullshit. All right. Sorry. Sorry for the language. I know this is a Christmas carol. Sorry. Well, I'm very glad to hear it, said Scrooge's nephew, because I haven't great faith in these young housekeepers. What do you say, Topper? Yeah, Topper and Squee. That's that's his friends, Topper and Squee. Oh, yeah. That That joke won't matter in five years, by the way. Oh, Topper had clearly got his eye... Well, got his eye upon one of Scrooge's niece's sister. Yes, yes, they're they're getting it on. Okay, do go on, Fred," said Scrooge's niece, clapping her hands. He never finishes what he begins to say. He's such a ridiculous fellow. She ragged on him. There, <laughs> I said it. Actually, when they say ragged on, that's what that means. It means like, I think that's what that means. Someone on their period and being emotional and yelling at somebody. I think that's what being ragged on means. That's all in my mind. That's all I can picture. So me saying that makes me a sexist, and I don't care. I don't care because I could get through 15 more pages of Charles Dickinson's words. Okay? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Shh, calm down. Okay. Um, I was only going to say, said Scrooge's nephew, that the consequence of his 
talk taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is that I think that he loses some pleasant moments, which could do him no harm. I am sure he loses pleasanter companions than he can find in his own thoughts, either in his moldy old office or his dusty chambers. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. He may rail at Christmas till he dies, but he can't help thinking better of it. I defy him. If he finds me going there in good temper year after year and saying, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? If it only puts him in the vein to leave his poor clerk 50 pounds, that's something. And I think I shook him yesterday. Oh, shook him. I shook him. All right. It was their turn to laugh now. Okay, sweet. Yep, they're laughing. And then they had some tea and then they had some music. Oh, they're a musical family. They're dancing a dancing. Oh, yeah. Which, okay, Scrooge is going to have a thought here. Uh, Scrooge's uh, niece was playing the harp and it reminded uh, Scrooge of boarding school as he had been reminded by the ghost of Christmas past when this strain of music sounded. All the things that the ghost had shown him came upon his mind. He softened more and more and thought that if he could have listened to it often years ago, he might have cultivated the kindness of life for his own happiness with his own hands without resorting to the sexton's spade that buried Jacob Marley. Cool. All right. But they didn't devote the whole evening to music. Oh, no. Oh, it was a done thing between them. Yeah, the ghost of Christmas past knew it, present knew it. Knocking down fire irons. Um, some sort of plump sister. Sidled off direction of the plump sister. Cried. Looks like they're dancing and a goose in each other. In spite of all her silken rustlings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's is that that... Scrooge's niece was not the blind... Oh, they were playing Blind Man's Bluff. Okay, and they, you know, chased her aunt, flirted, whatever. Um, Okay, let's see. Yep, they're all doing it. I'm not going to name any names, but they're all playing Blind Man's Bluff. Okay, pretty much, just like Marco Polo, but out of water. Got it? Good. The ghost was greatly pleased to find him in his mood because Scrooge was enjoying it. He was enjoying Blind Man's Bluff. Okay, Scrooge actually saw a group of people who were enjoying themselves and he felt that he was a part of the party himself because he's never experienced in a long time the joys and experience of good company after a good meal and um, just plain get into the moment, you know what I mean? Instead of being angry or having anxiety or wondering where their hands are or how they feel or what they just said or what they're going to say. And I'm just enjoying it and laughing. Okay, got it. Got it. Keepers. Creepers. The ghost was greatly pleased to find him in this mood and looked upon him with such favor that he begged like a boy to be allowed to stay until the guest departed. But the spirit said it could not be done. Here's a new game, said Scrooge. One half-hour spirit, only one. Yes, the game was called Yes or No. And Scrooge is something, it's kind of like, um, it's uh, 20 questions, okay? It's 20 questions without uh, without the 20, okay? Just whoever gets it, which team gets it first, okay? And I know it's going to happen because I've seen the play enough, so we might just keep on going because I'm freaking out, people. Okay. Yes or no, and then he acted like an animal, a live animal, rather disagreeable animal. He acted like he 
uh, lived in Lincoln, Lincoln, <laughs> London, and walked about the streets as ones that made the show of. And yeah, they guessed like they guessed tiger, they guessed a dog, they guessed a pig, they guessed a cat. But um, he was still acting like a disagreeable little monster. And uh, what is it? Cried Fred. It's your uncle Scrooge. Which it certainly was. Admiration was a universal sentiment, though objected to the reply, is it a bear, ought to have been yes. Inasmuch as the answer in the negative was sufficient to have diverted their thoughts from Scrooge. So this hurt his feelings, okay? This hurt Scrooge's feelings. And uh, let's uh, continue Fred's talking. He has given us plenty of merriment, I am sure, said Fred, and it would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. Here is a glass of mullied wine ready at her hand in a moment, and I say, Uncle Scrooge. Well, Uncle Scrooge, they cried. A merry Christmas and a happy new year to the old man, wherever he is, said Scrooge's nephew. He won't take it from me, but may he have it, nevertheless. 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 Uncle Scrooge. Yay! Uncle Scrooge had imperceptibly become so gay and light of heart that he would have pledged the unconscious company in return and thanked them in an inaudible speech. Okay, the scene moved on because the ghost's present was, I gotta go. You got another appointment coming. All right, so they went through homes. They, uh... Should the spirit stood beside sick beds? I don't know what's going on there. We don't even need that. It was a long night if it were only a night, but Scrooge had his doubts about this because the Christmas holidays appeared to be condensed into the space of time they passed together. So yeah, yeah. He's just going like, wow, that was three different nights of the same night. That's pretty much what Scrooge was thinking as a ghost of Christmas present was saying, here, hold my pocket. We gotta go. We gotta go. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Our spirit's lives so short, asked Scrooge. My life upon this globe is very brief, replied the ghost. It ends tonight. Tonight? Yeah, of course, because I'm a ghost and you got another appointment. All right. So, where are we going? From the folding of its robes brought two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at his feet and clung on the outside of its garment. Okay, I get it, because the ghost is getting ugly, right? Oh, man, look here. Look down here, exclaimed the ghost. Boy, girl, meager, ragged, came out of his robe, apparently. Scrooge startled, black, back appalled. Having them shown him in this way, he tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves rather than be, I don't know what's going on. Oh, okay. So, spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could, Scrooge said, They are man's, said the spirit, looking down upon them. And they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance, and this girl is want. Beware them both, and all their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written, which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Deny it, cried the spirit stretching out its hands towards the sky. Slanders those who tell ye. Admit it for your fractious purposes and make it worse and abide the end. Okay. No refuge. They have no prisons. The bell struck 12. Scrooge is still confused about the kids. But let's read the last paragraph here before we begin. Stay four. So, Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw it not. As a lax last stroke seized to vibrate he remembered the prediction of old jacob marley and lifting up his eyes beheld a solemn phantom draped and hooded coming like a mist along the ground towards him 
All right, folks. Sorry that was so abridged. That's the end of stave three. Um, so, yeah. Oh. I want to continue it in another part. But we're going to do this. We're going to get through this, right? We have to. I mean, I've gone so far together with you people with this story. So we got to do it. So let's do it. All right. I will see you in stave four on the next part. Adios.